0: Fake news, post-truth, the truth of decay, information disorder. All of these relate to one another. And this will be the most complex, difficult, and controversial podcast that I have probably ever completed. It will be misunderstood by those who consider themselves conservatives as well as liberals, those who fall into the Republican as well as democratic camps. It will be difficult for those who struggle with mathematics and are given a blank check to critically think through an issue or topic only to find it so difficult that the task, the chore, the concept is dismissed as meaningless. I am titling this podcast, The War of the Virus. A lot of people like to use the word fake, and they have combined it with the word news, and we have all heard fake news used by everyone from all walks of life. But regardless of your flavor, your views, your perspective of life, there is one thing that is difficult to deny, and that is the growing disregard for facts, for data analysis. And it is occurring not only in political discussions, but also in economic discourse. This is a talk about the war of the virus. It's about fake news, post-truth, and truth decay. It is about the information disorder that has gripped the nation and caused lifelong economic, social, and political impacts that will never be unpacked in our lives. There is simply a glut of propaganda. And this glut of propaganda threatens to suffocate otherwise reasonable men and women as well as children. The word is propaganda. From border to border, coast to coast, from valley to peak, from urban to rural, along streams and mighty rivers. The propaganda and disinformation has spread as rapidly and as intensely as the reported virus That has gripped the world. We live in a desolate landscape where propaganda rules and there is a dearth of real and fact-based news. No ifs, no ands, and absolutely no buts about it. We are told that we must be protected from fake news and that is in and of itself propaganda. Alternative news is as much news as the alphabet organizations that claim the high ground. And when you dig into the nuggets of truth, oftentimes more so. This does not mean that the alternative news is pure, clean, and above reproach. Far from it. But the same is true for the alphabet news organizations who claim a holier-than-thou position over the land. We live in a world of misinformation, and a world of counter-information. We live in a world where fact-checking is becoming nearly impossible, where Facebook is the source of ridiculous items, and it is embarrassing to know former, retired, and once-respected law enforcement officers and others who buy into the tall tales, lock, stock, and barrel. All I can say is that everyone grows old, in different ways, and some grow old and stale. But I, for one, will never grow old and stale. I will always use the God-given capabilities of my brain, and one and one will continue to be two, no matter what anyone else says. There are dubious claims of truth that become headlines and are repeated until they become fact. And when you question the fact, and question the source, and demand accountability. When you say, this is misleading, it is factless. Depending upon the flavor of the day, you'll be heralded as a savior or vilified as a devil incarnate. Factless claims lead as leading stories. So often on the evening news and on a 24-7 basis that it is literally A Chinese Water Torture. Correspondents and news organizations produce false and misleading reports. And these false and misleading reports are often cited rapidly, with consensus, by all of the alphabet organizations, as if they received their talking points from the little wizard behind the curtain in the movie, The Wizard of Oz. Overnight, we see repeatedly news consensus. Let me repeat that. Often cited, events that are sudden and dramatic, things that have occurred overnight before anyone has time to reflect, there is news consensus. And often, the misleading claims are such that True believers who are confronted with inconvenient truths take a few moments to not reflect and reconsider no. No, no. The typical response by the Kool-Aid drinking lemmings following the Pied Piper of consensus is to double down. And the Pied Piper himself begins marching more aggressively and playing his flute more loudly. And if necessary, the piper will stop, turn, and frown firmly at the lemmings who are not in line while always playing the tune of the day. And never forget and always remember that the piper has the legal authority to have his or her assistants step forward and physically take control of the wayward lemmings. And so off they go under the cloth of the criminal justice system, to be silenced through punishment if that is necessary to maintain order. Is this deep? Is this complex? Yes. And will many be confused? Undoubtedly. But if you are following what I am saying thus far, welcome. Welcome to the world of critical thinking where you, nor I, or many among us will allow them to control us. A recent example of doubling down was played out before the American public in the exchange between Fauci and Rand Paul in the halls of the United States Senate. The public reports on this were chopped and sliced, and Dr. Rand Paul, a senator, was much maligned, misquoted, and accused of buffoonery. But what you heard, if you heard the entire exchange, was the classic example of doubling down. The following segment is six minutes in length. It is the segment that has been hacked, divided, and reported on by the alphabet media in false and misleading ways.
1: Dr. Fauci, as you are aware, it is a crime to lie to Congress. Section 1001 of the U.S. Criminal Code creates a felony and a five-year penalty for lying to Congress. On your last trip to our committee on May 11th, you stated that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And yet, Gain-of-function research was done entirely in the Wuhan Institute by Dr. Xi and was funded by the NIH. I'd like to ask unanimous consent to insert into the record the Wuhan Virology paper entitled, Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses. Please deliver a copy of the journal article to Dr. Fauci. In this paper, Dr. Xi credits the NIH and lists the actual number of the grant that she was given by the NIH. In this paper, she took two bat coronavirus genes, spike genes, and combined them with a SARS-related backbone to create new viruses that are not found in nature. These lab-created viruses were then to shown to replicate in humans. These experiments combine genetic information from different coronaviruses that infect animals, but not humans, to create novel artificial viruses able to infect human cells. Viruses that in nature only infect animals were manipulated in the Wuhan lab to gain the function of infecting humans. This research fits the definition of the research that the NIH said was subject to the pause in 2014 to 2017, a pause in funding on gain of function. But the NIH failed to recognize this Defines it away, and it never came under any scrutiny. Dr. Richard E. Bright, a molecular biologist from Rutgers, described this research in Wuhan as the Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS related coronaviruses able to infect human cells and laboratory animals. This is high risk research that creates new potential pandemic pathogens potential pandemic pathogens that exist only in the lab, not in nature. This research matches, these are Dr. Ebright's words, this research matches, indeed epitomizes, the definition of gain of function research done entirely in Wuhan, for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, Do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied
2: before the Congress. Your microphone.
3: Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain As not being gain of function.
1: What was? Let me finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. You're saying that's not gain of function. Yeah,
3: that is correct. And and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially, you do not know what you are talking about.
0: Okay. You you get one
3: person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function.
1: This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain-of-function they took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increased their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic.
2: And, and let's, let's send Dr. Fauci. I have
1: to, well,
3: now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a subaward from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. <laughs>
1: well, we don't wait know a if minute. It came from the lab, but point. all you, the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab you, and there will be responsibility for those you, who funded the lab on. including yourself.
3: I totally This committee resent, will allow
2: the witness to respond. I
3: totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments, that were given in the annual reports, that were published in the literature, It is molecularly impossible.
1: No one's saying those viruses caused it. It is is molecularly. Those viruses caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain-of-function research was going on in that lab, and NIH funded it. That is not get away from it. It meets your definition, and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not uh,
3: obfuscating the truth. You are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses. And that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no to result no in SARS-CoV-2. No they
1: caused the pandemic. Paul, we're well, saying they are gain-of-function yeah, viruses because they were animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And but you, you won't admit the truth. And you <laughs> implying, Senator
2: Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses what? who come before this committee to respond. And,
3: and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. And if anybody is lying here, Senator, it is you.
0: The validity of studies must always be called into question. If not, then those who believe that the earth is flat would still be running the world. Just because somebody studied a situation and came up with a conclusion does not mean that their conclusion is accurate because the conclusion can be based upon facts and figures that are not universal, that were serendipitous. They were isolated or plain, flat out, made up. Always follow the money. But when you have so many people who are demanding that we not question the validity of studies, that we are too stupid to think for ourselves, there is and will be a boomerang effect. And it is now in process. And this boomerang effect could cripple the government as we know it with widespread dissent. And we've seen it. You cannot go out into the public without hearing the grousing the rumbling, and the disgust by a growing segment of the population. And that is dangerous. Economically rapid change can alter the course of history like nothing else, except for the massive solar flare, the movement of Earth's plates, or the impact of a massive meteor. Yes, those things cause massive change, but so too does the realization by the masses that the king has no clothes. But What we are seeing today from so many people is that when confronted with information that conflicts with what they have been told, believed, or grew up with since birth, well, the mode now is to adjust the beliefs to fit the new facts. And worse than everything is the fact that criticism of specific news reports and outlets itself is now called misinformation and disinformation and criminal now in many ways. Now, there will be those who will say that free speech is not criminal, but we know that it is. Speech is not free. It has always been restricted. And despite the fact that it exists in the First Amendment, it is restricted. And the government has and continues to chip away at free speech. You cannot yell fire in a crowded theater, as a famous court case decided. Nine robed men and women sitting back, contemplating the lint in their navels while coming up with mandates that quite literally alter the course of history. And they do things in small ways that eventually have big impacts. The loss, for example, of employment, banking, and travel rights should be thoroughly understood as criminal in nature. A person who has lost access to social media sources, such as Facebook, is now restricted in local news. How so? Because you have many political subdivisions. Cities, states, special taxing districts and community organizations that now rely exclusively on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to get public information out. Public information officers from border to border and coast to coast no longer issue in many jurisdictions press releases or put the information on their websites for universal access. Instead, they are lazy, they are sloppy, and they are capitulating to the control by the faceless corporate Big Brother, and thus leaving those who offended Big Brother out of critical local news. That, in my opinion, is an abomination and should be dealt with promptly by those state governments that have enough people who get it. And so you express an opinion that is contrary to the flavor of the moment, and you're terminated by your employer. But your employer is in the private sector, but the pressure is there by the banking organizations that will restrict their banking privileges, and suddenly you, too, are no longer desired. Congratulations and good luck trying to get from point A to point B, because you can't fly. And you are checked and rechecked when you enter any form of public transportation. On top of that, let's get rid of the gasoline-powered vehicle so that we can restrict how far you can go in any one day and you will be relying on public transportation for long-distance travel and thus good luck when the great storm hits again and the roads are littered with lithium-ion batteries atop of two or four wheels and the souls cradling inside as the wrath of God rains down. Propaganda, fake news, manipulation must all be understood, and it must be understood beyond specific incidents. The social and cultural effects are profound, and the control over circulation is dangerous. Searching by way of text or voice, video, Social media networks, regardless, is controlled. I've talked about this now since the very beginning of search engines. I was one who found it fascinating when AOL began. I quite literally one night announced to my wife that I had come to the end of the internet. Oh, how silly that was thinking back. Thinking back how silly it was when I said, I do not understand why people are putting pictures on the internet when it takes so long to download. Before the days of massive compression and rapid transmission of data, pictures were the bane of those of us who used the internet for pure academic and business research, for simple, direct communications with associates. But the reality is, words are boring. Too long didn't read, too long didn't listen, too long didn't view the documentary is nowhere near as popular as zip, bang, boom, blow them up, shoot 'em, and ride off into the West with the appropriate cast of characters that fit the flavor of the moment, regardless of historical accuracy. and so the little people, the little people are too stupid to know, to understand, and to critically think, but but, but wait, the little people must vote. But the vote must not count. We must make sure that we have voter suppression or, in some cases, enhance votes. A lack of transparency? Oh, how silly. The computer is there. The computer knows all. The computer counts every vote. Trust the computer. Trust in science. Everything is done for the good of the little people, who, however, are too stupid to critically think and to be given full transparency on all subjects. Because Big Brother knows better. And to keep the little people happy, put the current artist, singer, YouTuber, or former drug dealer who is now a righteous and good citizen to stand up and say, just do it, although they've never done it themselves. When it comes to propaganda, Take a broad perspective, understand, and apply the lessons learned but often forgotten. The lessons are there, and the big lesson took place on October 30th, 1938. I'll come back to this famous date in history, but always remember and never forget, breaking news in Grover's Mill near Princeton in New Jersey changed the course of history. When it comes to an understanding, use and the manipulation of people through propaganda. Propaganda has existed in all societies. No matter how righteous you claim to be, your group, you as an individual, your nation uses propaganda. We interrupt this regular broadcast to bring you breaking news, it has been repeated day in and day out and misused. Day in and day out. I remember the day that President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. The dramatic news bulletins gripped the nation. The death of a president shaped our lives, our views, in the course of history. It gave us Lyndon Johnson and the great society and the massive manipulation of all people, of all colors, all nationalities, all incomes. In all statuses in society. And what we learned in 1938 and ever since, the dramatic, the dramatic, conveys a level of realism that the plain spoken, the soft spoken, and the common sense does not, cannot among the rank and file lemmings and those who have mastered the art of dramatic speech, video and audio, Win the propaganda wars. We were provoked. We were outraged. There was widespread panic and chaos. Yes, the first public awareness of mass media and its influence did take place in 1938, and it came as a result of a CBS radio network broadcast called War of the Worlds. It was Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater that caused the nation to go into complete collapse, panic, and overload. The aliens had landed and had taken over Grover's Mill. Oh my God. But wait, there's more to this story. There's more to... The connection, there are more dots that need to be aligned. But first, the Smith-Munt Act that prohibited domestic propaganda in 1948. The Smith-Munt, M-U-N-D-T Act, that prohibited domestic propaganda in 1948. The wheels of government are designed to move slowly to prevent knee-jerk reactions. The Senate was originally designed to have men and women appointed by the legislatures of the state or by the governor of the state. The U.S. Senate was originally designed to be the elder statesmen of the nation who were able to contemplate and understand the big picture. With the passage of the 17th Amendment, our nation has and was irrevocably damaged And the balance of power shifted permanently, vigorously, and without compromise from the states to the federal government. The trilogy of the people, the states, and the federal government was permanently damaged. Big Brother was created with the passage of the 17th Amendment, which required the direct election of senators. It gave New York Hillary Clinton a true carpetbagger who would otherwise never have been elected. Men and women of all political flavors have won office because of their charisma and financial might. They are serving in the United States Senate as nothing more than junior leaguers to the sophomoric antics that take place in the House of Representatives. The wheels of government should move slowly because the wheels are powerful. And so in 1938, supposedly, and that should be a hint, Orson Welles scared a nation. We then fought a world war, and as we returned, a new enemy was needed in order to continue the economic might that the nation had developed and the power it had as a result of the destruction of worldwide governments. Under the banner of the League of Nations, there was the need to unify, to consolidate. Thus, the United Nations developed and propaganda went into full swing. Uh Aha, but wait. Propaganda for the nation was critical to prevent the evil, the lurking, the red menace known as communism from the Soviet Union. Any day, they would come down and land in our nation, and we would fight on our own soil. This is what we were taught to believe in the 1950s. And so... The media, the fear that the government had been infiltrated by Soviet spies. A story that today continues to repeat. History repeats continuously. Oh, but it's new today. No, young one, it is not new. This has been going on and on for years. And therefore, there were reasons why wise men passed what is known as the Smith-Munt Act, prohibiting domestic propaganda in 1948. But alas, in 2012, during the Obama administration, modifications were made to augment transparency. And the argument is that the government needs to get the message out in ways that it was previously prohibited because the transparency was critical for the little people to understand what's really going on. But wait, isn't that in itself propaganda? Isn't that in itself the Trojan horse? Isn't it akin to letting the fox in the hen house? We are far down the rabbit hole. We are far beyond the halfway point. We are close to coming to the conclusion, and I fully understand that for every 10 people who began this podcast, there will not be more than one or two who will finish it. I am not silly in my expectations as to the powerful impact that this will have. People simply do not read, do not listen, and do not watch long, drawn-out discussions. But those that do will have the ability to begin to spread the word if they understand it. This is one of those discussions that dad has to have with you. You cannot believe everything you read. You cannot believe everything you hear. And you cannot believe everything you see, especially as a result of augmented reality. There's a famous video of Barack Obama leaving the White House Press room, raising his leg and kicking a door open in disgust as he walks off stage. It was shared wide and far. Men and women that I know, or should I say knew, cited this as a clear cut example of his derangement. It never took place. The same thing has happened with Biden and Trump and Clinton, the Bushes, Reagan, Johnson, Kennedy, and Every president before. But today, the manipulation through the manipulation of pixels is amazing. The green screen. An adjustment here, an adjustment there. Oh, Sally May looks so thin. Her complexion is wonderful. But when the screens and the coloring and the manipulation is done, she's a hag. Sally's been a hag and always will be a hag. She was born with unlucky genes. But by way of the computer... Sally the hag looks pretty nice, but not so when you realize that Sally today once was Ralph the barber. And Ralph's genetic code remains the same despite the augmentation of Ralph's plumbing. You do understand what I'm saying. You cannot make a silk purse out of a sow's ear and you cannot change the basic fundamentals in life. On April 12, 1961, Yuri Gagarin, a Russian, became the first human being to go into space and orbit Earth. The Soviet Union was far ahead of the United States in the development of rockets and satellites. I remember vividly the discussions in our neighborhood in Dallas, Texas, among neighbors who gathered in the street and in driveways, in the evenings after work, to discuss Sputnik. The Sputnik satellites were dangerous. My father listened to these men and women, and I paid attention to my father as all of us children played. Many listened, heard, and became concerned with their parents because we were about to be invaded. I did not go to public school. I went to private school, and in private school as well as public school, We trained for the big bomb that was coming. We knew that it was just a matter of time before the United States and Russia would go from a cold to a hot war and atomic bombs would rain down on all of us. Of course, our tables, our desks would protect us because our teachers told us so. The posters on the wall, the radio broadcasts, the television stations, the air raid sirens, the... Bomb shelters that were built, we knew we could survive. And if a bomb was to land nearby, we would leave the safety of our deaths, hiding under them, and we would calmly and collectively, collectively stand together and walk like lemmings, marching to the basement, which had the fortified bomb shelter for all of us. I never understood how that little room could contain all of us, unless we were stacked in like dead bodies. Alas, probably one of the first times that I asked a logical question and was told to mind my own business. I guess it just comes naturally in its epigenetic memory from grandfather's long past. It always causes me to say, I have a question involving who, what, where, when, why, and how. If you don't mind, we need to talk about this before we go running off. Like babbling fools. Now, my father was quite gifted when it came to mathematics. It tends to run in the family. And one day he told my mother to have her contact all of the ladies in the neighborhood, and everybody needed to come to our driveway. It would be after the sun has set. And he was very precise as to the time that everyone needed to gather. He asked my mother to ask everyone to turn all of their exterior lights, interior lights off. We needed the neighborhood to be as dark as possible. Street lights were at the corners of intersections, not throughout and down the street. And so they gathered, and I was there. I watched my father pull out a piece of paper with the coordinates of the Sputnik satellite that would be coming overhead. You see, the fear was that Russian troops would be descending upon Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio. Austin, El Paso, Waco, from New Orleans to Los Angeles, from New York to Seattle to Miami, and all points in between. The Russians were in the Sputnik satellite, despite the fact that it was nothing more than an oversized, well, Volkswagen bus. For that matter, a Volkswagen Beetle back in the time was far, la- far larger than a Sputnik satellite. But nevertheless, Men and women, from all walks of life, pretty well figured that was what was going to happen because that's what they were told. That's what they were told. The propaganda of the day that the Russians were coming, the Russians were coming, the Russians were coming, eventually even led to a movie in Hollywood that made a joke of that actual fear among the Americans. Made in 1966... The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming as an American comedy film starring actors such as Carl Reiner, Alan Arkin, Brian Keith, Jonathan Winters, and others. But back to our driveway. My father explained to the men and women there that by his calculations and using a sextant that's spelled S-E-X-T-A-N-T, my father was able to point with pinpoint accuracy the flight line of a coming Sputnik satellite, and we watched. And it was not a shooting star. It was a methodical object that went across the sky. Now, I know that many of you who may be listening to this have never seen a satellite, but they're up there and you can see them. Occasionally, they're bright if the light down on the ground is dark and you're not polluted with all of the artificial illumination. And this may sound like a fairy tale of grand proportion, but it's not. There were no flying dinosaurs, little green men, nor is this a claim that the moon is made of cheese. This was simply a group of people that gathered together to hear my father tell them we will not be attacked. You're worrying about things that you shouldn't be worrying about. Get on with your lives. For crying out loud, between World War I and Korea and now, the heating up of a place called Vietnam, Vietnam, Viet-whatever, the latest in the domino theory that the communists were going to take over the world. My dad said, for crying out loud, there's more guns in this neighborhood than we probably fought the Battle of the Bulge with. We're never going to be invaded and attacked, and they're not going to come out of a little tiny object. And he held up something he had made, which I have no earthly idea from memory what it was or how he did it, but it was... An oversized ball of aluminum foil that he made and painted the wood doweling that stuck from it, a bright silver, and said, this is what's going over. Some of the people scoffed, and then it appeared. It appeared on the horizon. You could see it faintly, but it got brighter as it got higher in the sky. I recall a woman going, oh, and my father looking at her and saying, oh, for Christ's sake, knock it off. Her husband wasn't fond of my dad saying that. We'll call him Charlie for lack of memory of name. And he said, Charlie, get a control of her. Look, that's what's going over. And nobody's popping out. When it was all said and done, everybody had a conversation and was quite thankful that my father took the time and effort to teach them that little green army men from the Soviet Union were not going to be popping down. And no, he was not a communist, a socialist, a Russian spokesperson. He was simply an American who fought as a Marine in World War II who had good old-fashioned common sense. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all. is called common sense. And you're being influenced every day by three-letter agencies and three-letter alphabet organizations. On December 27th, 1977, on page one of the New York Times, the article on the lower right-hand corner of the front page is titled, CIA Established Many Links to Journalists in U.S. and Abroad. Let me repeat this. The headline on page one of the New York Times of an article that is found on the lower right-hand Section of the paper, dated December 27, 1977, states CIA, that stands for the Central Intelligence Agency, established many links to journalists in U.S. and abroad. Once upon a time, the equivalent to the CIA in the USSR was known as the KGB. Behind the Iron Curtain, there were many organizations tasked with spying and gathering information. What you have read and heard and watched on the news today is nothing new. And so the reality in life is fake news is not new. And for fake news to flourish in the United States, back when you had the Smith-Munt Act, it was a very methodical process which has been adopted by Wikipedia. Wikipedia should never be used as a sole source of fact. Because Wikipedia, despite the hundreds of millions of hours of labor by those who seek to distribute truth and fact, is manipulated by those who seek to do bad things. You see, the way to get news to be viewed as truthful is you get several others who are affiliated to do what is known as coordinated linkage. You get an organization like the CIA, Fox News, the old KGB, the XYZ or LMNOP organizations out there to create a news organization. And an article, an audio, a video is created as news. Then the ancillary organizations that are controlled, that are mid-level, pick the story up. And as you get more and more coverage... You have an alphabet correspondent who picks it up and runs with it. Eventually, the story becomes mainstream because you have all of these sources. All of these sources. All of the sources are full of beans. Now, the enduring effects of misinformation on school children is profound. Far too many children are now lemmings. Form over substance and studying to take the test. We've got to mint these brainless workers who are going to work at, well, let's see what kind of places. Oh, Amazon Fulfillment Centers, for example. We need a herd of them. Don't think. Just show up, Bob, and stuff the box. Deliver the box. Drive the box to work and back home. Get back in your box until we need you to come back to our box to box more boxes. Now, the information about World War II is unbelievable. In fact, it's dramatically unbelievable. The propaganda by the United States is undeniable, but widely accepted as fact. And propaganda leads to popular misinterpretations and lifelong falsehoods. There's a real story behind every reported story. And every story is a bit more complex. And the lesser known facts that actually matter are oftentimes ignored. As a forecaster, I dig into the quantitative analysis. That's the numbers. But far more difficult is the qualitative analysis, understanding why people do what they do. And I fully admit there are times, because of my knowledge and experience and lucky genes, for which I am most thankful, it is difficult to understand the dumbest among us. I never have a problem with ignorant people. Ignorance is not knowing something. I never fault anyone for being ignorant, but I do fault those who are stupid. Stupid are people who know right from wrong, but they choose the wrong path. They know good from bad, good from evil, but they choose the evil or bad path. They know what they should do, but they sit on the sidelines and at most are in the bleachers never getting in the game. But by God, oh, by God, they can criticize everybody who is in the game as if they could have done it so much better. You see, promoted stories are the key. Promoted stories oftentimes are sensationalized. Why? Because if it bleeds, it leads. More blood. If you drive on the interstate, you know that a minor fender bender will cause a massive delay. And if there's blood, and if there's guts, if there's body parts, Everything comes to a halt. Traffic is going north. It doesn't affect southbound lanes, but by God, if it's blood on the street, if there's blood on the street, we've got to slow down. The purient nature of man is what it is, and those who manipulate the news, the propagandists that are among us understand that. You cannot trust those who are dramatic and sensational tub thumpers including those who wear suits and ties, who claim academic superiority. Academic credentials, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, are oftentimes used to hide the truth. You heard Fauci in the United States Senate obfuscate the truth. He's a liar, and while he may be the current flavor of Mr. Rogers, he holds no credibility whatsoever with me. Demand evidence over myth. Always follow the financial motives. If you've ever heard me speak, if you're a client or a prospective client, you've heard me say, follow the money. There are massive conflicts of interest that take place every day in pseudo news organizations. And far too often, the facts that are used are overstated and the legitimacy of claims are not investigated. Now let's go back to Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater. The broadcast that took place on the CBS radio network 83 years ago, October 30th, 1938, War of the Worlds. The nation panicked. The nation freaked. And so it was reported, and then it was discovered, but is not reported. And then it was discovered, but not reported, that the media created the fake hysteria. There was a fake hysteria about War of the Worlds. There was no panic. Oh, yes. Some people who listened to breaking news of Grover's Mill near Princeton in New Jersey, we interrupt this regular program for the broadcasting of, some people did panic, but very few. The news organizations of the day made it up. It was fake hysteria. They used, and he capitulated with it, Orson Welles as a bad, bad man. An amazing story told with such lust and vigor that it scared the nation, launching his career to heights that it may never have ever enjoyed. If it bleeds, it leads. Good news or bad news doesn't make any difference. It's the news. As long as they're talking about you, you're relevant. So the panic was overplayed. And it became nothing more than a second act, a way to extend the story. Hook the eyes, hook the ears, and sell more. You see, most people use their ability to critically think, their ability to discuss, to stand in a driveway and look in the sky and say, little green men are not going to pop out and attack us in Dallas, Texas. But today the nation is of much lower quality, much lower IQ, much less experienced, suffering from recency, and a lack of common sense. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all. The fear of a foreign invasion has always gripped the nation. From overseas or aliens from above, which is now the current flavor, we must be scared, we must act in unison, and we must follow orders like good little lemmings, especially now that the attack is a virus that is invisible but everywhere. Everyone must follow the orders, because if you do not, you are a conspirator, and you must be eliminated or neutralized, because to do anything other than that will mean the absolute end of the world. Now, One of the items we should always remember and never forget is that different nations are behaving differently when it comes to the virus. Here is an example of the kind of talk that is now prevalent in England.
3: Over the next year, we are going to have to use force to vaccinate those who would otherwise delay and make impossible the herd immunity that we so desperately need. Now, How we go about forcing these people to become vaccinated or to volunteer or to be physically held down and vaccinated, I don't know. But what I do know is we will probably need the police and the army and the community to come together and to knock on some doors and say, look, guys, you know, time's up and it's time to have your jab. It's not going to be pretty, but I do think it's the moral thing to do. And although some conventions prohibit it, I do think we can work through that.
0: Now, this next segment is a composite of the words spoken by then-candidate Biden and candidate Harris for President of the United States and Vice President in relationship to how then-President Trump was handling the virus. There was talk about a vaccine. Pay very careful attention to what you are about to hear.
2: So, let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election would you get it well i think that's going to be an issue for all of us if and when the vaccine comes it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done when we finally do god willing get a vaccine who's going to take the shot who's going to take the shot you're going to be the first one to say put me sign me up They now say it's okay, And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. You got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus. This is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and the administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it.
0: Shooting the messenger is a metaphor to describe the act of blaming the bearer of bad news. For example, in periods of war before modern telecommunications, a messenger would be sent from one camp to another. And if the message was unfitting, the receiver might blame the messenger for the bad news and take the anger out on them. Did that sound familiar with the last clip? And so, let's listen to a few doctors who have a different opinion. Yes, there are people out there who can make their own judgments on things that are different from what the Piper is playing.
1: JB, appetite to speak. go ahead. Wait, you
4: know, the, the devil is always in the details. And one of the problems with vaccines is they've been so great that people overly generalize about them as if they're only great. We looked at other first world countries. We're 34th in under five mortality Behind such luminaries as Cuba and Slovenia. However, we have 36 vaccines. The top five, which include countries like Finland, Norway, Iceland, average 11 and 13 vaccines. From 1994, we added eight vaccines to our schedule. There are vaccines like flu, rotavirus, varicella, that have only been picked up by two or three of the other 30 countries. So what do they know that we don't? Why are they picking up vaccines that have been around for 15 years, and why are their autism rates one in 1,000, one in 1,500, one in 2,000? It doesn't take a brain surgeon or an ER doctor to figure out there might be a correlation.
3: We don't wanna narrow, be too narrow-minded and say it's, it's only
1: the vaccines and, 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 and not and, and ignore other potential problems. In my opinion, and this is just me wanting to have an open debate about this. Vaccines are really the one thing we have looked at yeah, as causing... All- okay. yeah, that I agree is, with that you. is, what is yeah. completely
4: bogus. No, that is such a the, bogus the, statement. The, How many vaccines have they looked at in these studies? How many? What's the answer? It's two. How many ingredients have they studied of 35? What's the answer? It's one. You've looked at two of 36 shots and one of 35 vaccines, and you're going to stand on the stage and say that vaccines and autism are unrelated. It is the most bogus tobacco science. It's a smoke screen Anybody who takes the time to read it would agree. I'm so sick of doctors who don't read the studies, who don't know the details, sitting here telling parents and reassuring them that vaccines don't cause autism. It is irresponsible. And this is the
1: biggest problem, and the reason that the doctors in this country are frustrated. Read the Because science. listen, all you're doing is you're antagonizing a medical community that wants to help these kids? You haven't okay, done the research. you're antagonizing me. You're antagonizing Dr. Sears. Right. Why would you do that? Yeah. This yeah. show yeah. is yeah. all yeah. about yeah. his yeah. son. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you know. And it, okay, everyone wants try. to blame someone, right? Yes. This is what it's what we're trying to figure out here is how to help kids. But all you do when you yell at me on my stage, all you do is anger me. I'm sorry. And-
0: let's start to wrap this up. Notice that those individuals who get emotional, they begin to raise their voice, they scream and holler. It's always the same thing, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all from border to border and coast to coast. It's the same thing. The facts go out the window. Logical, rational talk is done. And when people who have a low IQ, and that's a fact, they have a low emotional an intelligence quotient, they begin to scream, flail, and carry on. Low IQ people commit the overwhelming majority of the crime, the violent, inchoate crime. Crimes of rape, robbery, murder, and theft are committed by the dumbest among us. That doesn't mean that there aren't high IQ shysters out there. Oh, there's plenty of them in banking, in real estate In the world of investing, and Lord knows they proliferate like crazy in the world of politics. But the reality in life is violent people are highly emotional, and you cannot debate them. And so when you have medical personnel that go, hmm, we really need to look at correlations, and correlation is not necessarily causation, but we need to look at this. And one simple study is not good enough. We need to understand that the fear of foreign invasion from overseas and within from aliens that are among us or those that are coming from little green ships, the invisible virus, which is everyone and everyone must follow orders or they will be treated as an enemy combatant. Those days are here and they're among us. And what is the point? The point is rational. Calm, cool, collected action. Make your own decision. Turn off the news. Lock, stock, and barrel. Read and discuss with people who you respect. Ignore the ding-dongs in the world. Oh, you have to be aware of them because they're everywhere. But ignore what they're saying. Think logically. And I'll wrap with this. I've taken the 1938 War of the Worlds Broadcast by Orson Welles on the CBS radio network, the Mercury Theater. I've condensed it, and I want you to listen very carefully and pay attention to what they're saying, how they're saying, and how we just got done and, frankly, are still in a new war of the worlds. Follow the language, follow the pattern, and you'll come to the same conclusion, I believe, History continues to repeat itself. And Dad, I wish you were here to watch what I'm seeing. And if you can hear me, the idiots in Dallas have reincarnated themselves. And Sputnik, our driveway, and your talk apparently didn't go far enough. We truly do repeat history.
5: Gentlemen, the director of the Mercury Theater and star of these broadcasts, Orson Welles. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the Earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. We are ready now to take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, where Carl Phillips, our commentator, will interview Professor Richard Pearson, famous astronomer. We take you now to Princeton, New Jersey. Huh. Not canals, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips. Although, that's the popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions peculiar to the planet. Then you're quite convinced, as a scientist, that living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars? i say the chances against it are a 1,000 to 1. And yet, how do you account for these gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News, Toronto, Canada. Professor Morris of Macmillan University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.45 p.m. and 9.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. It is reported that at 8.50 p.m., a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Elizabeth. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene, and we'll have our commentator, Carl Phillips, give you a word picture of the scene as soon as he can reach there from Princeton. In the meantime, we take you to the Hotel Martinet in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millet and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. We take you now to Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, out at the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Professor Pearson and myself made the 11 miles from Princeton in 10 minutes. Well, I hardly know where to begin, to so paint for you a word picture of a strange scene before my eyes, like nothing out of a modern Arabian night. Well, I just got here. I haven't had a chance to look around yet. Do you hear it? It's a curious humming sound that seems to come from inside the object. I'll uh, move the microphone nearer. Here. Now, we're not more than 25 feet away. Uh, can you hear it now? Uh, Professor Pearson? Yes, Mr. Uh, can you tell us the meaning of that scraping noise inside the thing? Uh, possibly the unequal cooling of its surface. I say, do you still think it's a meteor, Professor? It's beginning to rotate like a screw, and the thing must be hollow. Move it! Keep back there! Keep back Keep those hey, men back! Keep no. back there. Keep those idiots back! Yeah. Get off! The out, there Ladies and gentlemen, ben, this is the most terrifying ben, thing ben, I, ben, I've ben, ever witnessed. Wait a minute. Someone calling someone or call something, I can see tearing out of that black hole two l- luminous disks. The eyes, it might be a face, might be almost oh. good heavens. Something hey, wriggling man. out of the shadow like a gray snake. Oh. Now it's another one and another one and another one. They look like tentacles to me. Oh, yeah, I can see the thing's body now. It's large, as large as a bear. It's glistening like wet leather, but it's face. It, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is a kind of v shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips. It seems to quiver and pulsate, and the monster or whatever it is can hardly move. It seems weighed down by you know, possibly gravity or something. The thing's rising up now, and the crowd falls back. It, be plenty, the most extraordinary experience, ladies and gentlemen, I can't find words. P- well, I'll pull this microphone with me as I talk. I'll have to stop the description so I can take a new position. Hold on, will you, please? I'll be right back in a minute. Flag of truce. If those creatures know what that means, what anything means... Wait a minute. Something's happening. A shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a... The the flame springing from the mirror and it oh, leaps right the bad. advancing men. It strikes them head on. Oh, Lord, they're turning into flames. Now the whole field caught up by the woods. The the gas heading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a message that came in from Grover's Mill by telephone. Just one moment, please. At least 40 people, including six state troopers, lie dead in a field east of the village of Grover's Mill, their bodies burned and distorted beyond all possible recognition. The next voice you hear will be that of Brigadier General Montgomery Smith, commander of the state militia at Trenton, New Jersey. I have been requested by the governor of New Jersey to place the counties of Mercer and Middlesex as as far west as Princeton and uh, east to Jamesburg under martial law. No one will be permitted to enter this area except by special pass issued by state or military authorities and uh, will aid in the evacuation of homes within the range of military operations. You have just been listening to General Montgomery Smith commanding the state militia at Tranton. In the meantime, further details of the catastrophe at Grover's Mill are coming in. The strange creatures, after unleashing their deadly assault, crawled back in their pit and made no attempt to prevent the efforts of the firemen to recover the bodies and extinguish the fire. Professor Pearson has been located at a farmhouse near Grover's Mill where he has established an emergency observation post. As a scientist, he will give you his explanation of the calamity. It's my guess that in some way they are able to generate an intense heat in a chamber of practically absolute non-conductivity. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam against any object they choose by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition, much as the mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. Uh, That is my conjecture of the origin of the heat ray. Thank you, Professor Pearson. Ladies and gentlemen, here is a bulletin from Trenton. It is a brief statement informing us that the charred body of Carl Phillips has been identified in the Trenton hospital. Now, here's another bulletin from Washington, D.C. The office of the director of the National Red Cross reports 10 units of Red Cross emergency workers have been assigned to the headquarters of the state militia, stationed outside of Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Here's a bulletin from State Police, Princeton Junction. The fires at Grover's Mill and vicinity are now under control. Scouts report all quiet in the pit, and there is no sign of life appearing from the mouth of the cylinder. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. At this time, we take you to Washington for a special broadcast on the national emergency. The Secretary of the Interior. Citizens of the nation, I shall not try to conceal the gravity of the situation that confronts the country, nor the concern of your government in protecting the lives and property of its... However, I wish to impress upon you, private citizens and public officials, all of you, the urgent need of calm and resourceful action. Fortunately, this formidable enemy is still confined to a comparatively small area, and we may place our faith in the military forces to keep them there. We must continue the performance of our duties, each and every one of us, so that we may confront this destructive adversary with a nation united, courageous, and consecrated to the preservation of human supremacy on this earth. Guarding planes report three Martian machines visible above treetops, moving north toward Somerville with population fleeing ahead of them. The heat ray is not in use, although advancing at express train speed, invaders picked their way carefully. They seem to be making a conscious effort to avoid destruction of cities and countryside. Range, 32 meters. 32 meters. Direction, 39 degrees. 39 degrees. Fire. Fire. It's Fire. Machines are close together now, and we're ready to attack. Plane's circling, ready to strike. 1,000 yards, and we'll be over the first. There they go. Giant arm raised. Green flash. They're us with flame. 2,000 feet. Engines are giving out. No chance to release bombs. Only one thing left. Drop on them, plane and all. We're diving on the first one. Now the engine's gone. Hey. Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. Warning. Poisonous black smoke pouring in from Jersey marshes. Gas maps useless. Urge population to move into open spaces. Automobiles use Route 7, 23, 24. Avoid congested areas. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, Air Force, everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. The enemy is now in sight above the Palisades. Five, five great machines. First one is crossing the river. I can see it from here, waiting. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They, they're falling like flies. Now the smoke's crossing Sixth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, a uh, hundred yards away. listening to a CBS presentation of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre on the Air in an original dramatization of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. As I set down these notes on paper, I'm obsessed by the thought that I may be the last living man on earth, I'm hiding in this empty house near Grover's Mill, a small island of daylight cut off by the black smoke from the rest of the world. All that happened before the arrival of these monstrous creatures in the world now seems part of another life, a life that has no continuity with the present. Furtive existence of the lonely derelict, too. Pencils, these words on the back of some astronomical notes bearing the signature of... Look down at my blackened hand. Have you seen any Martians? No. They're going over to New York. Night, the sky's alive with their lights. Just as if people were still living in it. By daylight, you can't see them. Five days ago, a couple of them carried something big across the flats from the airport. I think they're learning how to fly. Fly? Yeah, fly. Then it's all over with humanity. Stranger, there's still you and I, two of us left. They got themselves in solid. They wrecked the greatest country in the world.
2: This has been the Paul Truesdell Podcast, sponsored
0: by Fixed Cost Financial and Longview Forecasting. For more information about fixed cost financial and long view forecasting, visit the website for the conglomerate of Truesdell Companies at truesdell.net or call the corporate offices for the Truesdell Companies at 212-433-2525, that's 212-433-2525, all rights reserved. Woo!
5: Woo! The the